Hello, and welcome to Artfully Told, where we share true stories about meaningful encounters with art. I think artists help people have different perspectives on every aspect of life. All I can do is put my part out into the world. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect ever, really. I mean, as long as you, you're enjoying doing it and you're trying your best, that can be good enough. Art is something that you can experience with your senses and that you just experience as, as so beautiful. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Artfully Told. I'm Lindsay, and I am so excited to have a very special guest on our show today. Her name is Krista Eiler, and she is an extraordinary woman. She has done so much for the arts, not only in Kansas City, but her reach is extending far beyond. She has co-written, co-produced her own musical, which was incredible. And I'm saying that because I got to see it. And I just love it. It's so charming. But she is constantly creating and innovating and bringing so much joy to the world. So I am so excited, Krista, that you're here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lindsay. And thank you for those kind words. That was a very sweet way to start my day. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. Of course. So Krista, do you mind just sharing a little bit about yeah, who you are and what you're up to these days and just what you love. Sure. You know, it's funny to kind of sum up when someone says, you know, what do you do? (laughs) That's a very hard question to answer when, you know, at the age I am, which is 43, you say, what do you, what do you do, Krista? What is it you you do? Now there are things you get paid for and then there are things that you do. And I think as an artist, We all have to do a lot of things. Now, what I would say I am, I'm a mom first of two teenage boys. I'm a wife. I uh, am a composer and an actress, and I like to write. I mean, I, I would probably classify myself as a singer before anything else, but you see, it's hard to, it's hard to sum up. So I like to say that I'm a composer, actress, singer, mom, wife. How's that? (laughs) It's perfect. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And so just tell us a little bit about the different musicals. I know, obviously, you got to produce one. What was that two years ago now? Oh, my gosh. Well, it was just actually last summer. Last summer. um, We mentioned the musicals called Overture. And it was about the 1953 season of the Kansas City Philharmonic. And the Philharmonic was kind of the you know, the father of our current Kansas City Symphony. So we had the great pleasure of taking 19 Kansas City people to the New York Musical Festival last summer. We were accepted as one of the 10 full-length productions, and we won Best of Fest production there. We won the Audience Choice Award. There are two kind of big festival awards, and we won one of them. And we were, we had quite an adventure. (laughs) Yeah. It was an extraordinary from start to finish kind of three-year endeavor. And my co-writer, Barb Nichols, she's also a local Kansas City director. And she and I have known each other for over 20 years. So our, our business partnership is very easy and we're also good friends. And so just this last, after we got back from New York, we had an opportunity to buy a building on Southwest Boulevard and we turned it into rehearsal studios so we have a, a studio now called Sharp Women Studios. That's the name of our LLC. And we're down on the boulevard. And this whole quarantine stuff <laughs> has messed up our, our oh. entire schedule. You know, I know that is a small, small thing 
when there are so many people who have been suffering, truly suffering in both their physical health, emotional health, and their financial health. So I'm very grateful that we have a space. We've had a, a safe space to go and build things and uh, have meetings and have social distancing. So we're very, very fortunate. I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I am when I know a lot of other artists have it so much harder than I do. Sure. Yeah, it's a challenge for everybody, but you have a really positive outlook on it, but it is difficult. Some things and- I do is my brain likes to be busy all the time. Yeah. I don't like... I really honestly don't like to rest a lot. My battery Mm. doesn't need a ton of recharging. So my battery wants to go. And so when I have gigs canceled or acting gigs postponed or flat out canceled, it's really, it's a blow, you know, it's one of those, I worked for that part and I got that part and now it's gone. And I think artists across our city are feeling exactly the same thing because their gigs have been canceled. Their side gigs have been canceled. So what do you do when Mm -hmm. your gig has been canceled and your side gigs canceled? That's hard. It's a difficult time that we are dealing with, but you know, art survives and art goes on because if you're an artist, you just keep making stuff. Yeah. It's compulsory. (laughs) You have to. You just kind of do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that perspective. I would just love to hear stories that you have about encounters with art, something maybe that kind of stood out to you that made an impact on you as a person or on your work? I will just speak from my experience. No, my background was in television journalism. Um, I was a news reporter for five years with Channel 9 News here in Kansas City. And before that, I was a reporter in Topeka. And journalism was kind of my track. I had always been a singer from the time I was four years old in church. And I've always sung, always played guitar and piano. And so, but I just took a different career path. So now, now that I'm doing full-time acting and writing and performing, it's, it's quite a different, quite a different world. I don't really have a process of creating it. Just like I said, my brain is always working. And so I feel like an idea will come. Usually it's a musical idea, something for the stage. And I'll, Barb and I will sit down and we'll just kind of flesh the idea out as much as we can to see if it's worth doing. Mm -hmm. And we, one of the shaping memories I had was in 1983, I think it was, Yul Brenner came through Kansas City in a touring company of The King and I. And it was down at the Midland. And if you've ever been to the Midland Theater, it's it's a more intimate theater, but it's very steep. It has lots of levels. And my mom had kind of splurged to buy uh, tickets for my brother and I and for my mom to go see the King and I. Mm -hmm. And so we had really good seats. Mm -hmm. And I remember so much red in the room and how the seats felt. And I remember there he was, like he came out on stage and stopped the show. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those very big, kind of very much a sense memory for me that it was magical you know, theater became very magical for me. Another one of those moments that I had was where I saw Ted Neely and Carl Anderson and Jesus Christ Superstar. And they're the ones that you see in the movie if you're not familiar with the show. But they were the originals for the movie and then spent their careers touring with Jesus Christ Superstar. I have never quite experienced a show 
that was stopped twice because of applause. I mean, these two men in their prime, I got to see them in their prime. Carl Anderson is now deceased and Ted Neely's in his 70s. But it was extraordinary, the power of something on stage to affect my emotion so deeply. And it's one of those memories I have that I can access at any time. And it, it just expresses to me the magic of musical theater, because that's that's my greatest love is musical theater. And another memory, I got to see Bernadette Peters and Gypsy on Broadway. Oh. My mom and I went and her little, she's a tiny little person. <laughs> yeah. And she's just a tiniest little China doll of a person. And as soon as people heard her voice from the back of the house, she walked through the house for, you know, the sing out Louise, mm-hmm. everybody stood up and stopped the show for a good three minutes applauding oh. her. They did the same thing after she did Rose's turn. And I could, I mean, I could barely contain myself. It was just one of those things where you feel like you're, you're crying and you're jumping out of your skin and everything about it is so perfect. And I I've learned, I watching her, she uses every little bit of that little body from the top of her head to her toes to convey emotion and just so physical. I really, there's, those are some very specific memories for me, both as a writer and an actress to go use your full instrument, whether it is singing or acting or writing, you try to use your full instrument. When I'm writing, I sometimes tell myself like, what else? You know, what else can I do to this? What else does this song need? What is it missing? Or I'll record it all, put it in my phone so I can listen to it in my car speakers. And then I go, oh, that's what's missing. There's a string section missing, or I should have symbols there. Or, you know, it's just, I I feel like writing and composing. I mean, you're a dancer, you know, it's a full body experience. Right. Whether you're a dancer or not, but I can describe it as that. Anything I do when I'm creating, it's kind of a full body, mind, body, spirit experience. I love that. And I love the idea of what else, what else can there be to make it even more robust, more inspirational, more touching? I love that. What a great perspective on. I hope so. so. You know, I have my favorite instruments that make me either have goosebumps or tear up or you know, music can break your heart. I mean, oh, we yeah. say that in overture because it's true. Yeah, yeah. It can break your heart because if you put an oboe with a cello and a piano and a French horn, I mean, those are the break your heart yeah. instruments. Gorgeous. If you put them in and layer them, it just gives such, it's like eating an awesome piece of cake. Yeah. It's just <laughs> so pleasurable that your mind and body, it's just like all the endorphins come. And when... I think I had a moment when I wrote something and, you know, when you write music and you have to listen to it over and over and over and over (laughs) again, and which gets very laborious. But I remember a song came on that I wrote and it didn't register as my, my song. It was just a song that was on. And I remember getting goosebumps because of the chord formations. Mm. And I was like, well, all right, let's keep that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I if it gives, I'm the harshest critic. Of course. Of anyone. Right. Anyone. I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself, which I probably shouldn't be, but I am. Um, <laughs> Every artist um, I think has and, that. <laughs> yeah, I think artists are, I mean, I think we're sensitive and yeah. I think we're hard on ourselves. And I think being the age I am, it's given me some perspective of give yourself some grace Yes. And I, I never think I'm going to be the best at something. And I probably never will be the best at something, but I'm going to do my best. Yes. Whatever I'm doing. 
because there's always going to be something, someone with a different cool idea that you didn't think of, or they'll be able to do something cool that you didn't, aren't able to do. And I think I've been able to accept that more in the last five, six years to stop being so competitive in art Mm. and just appreciate and affirm in other people what they're doing. I mean, I learned from going, oh, that was a great layering of sound or, oh my gosh, did you hear how she's saying that? I'm, I'm trying to be better about building other people up, making a point to note it. Yes. That, that was really good. Yes. Um, because I mean, I like to be encouraged. I imagine other people like to be encouraged too. Oh, they absolutely. Did that come about, do you think, in more of a director role? I mean, is that something that kind of developed being in a leadership position? I just think I wanted to stop being so prideful about art. You know, mm. I think we've all met artists who are, arrogant and we've met artists who are very humble and I want to be more like the humble artists who if there's something that I do that's it touches somebody else or makes them have a moment of joy or takes them out of their normal normal thought patterns into something really cool then I want to do that but I want to do it in a way that's open to other artists and is friendly to other artists and kind of just affirms what's good in other artists because there's so much competition. And I was so, you know, acting is so competitive. I mean, dance is competitive, any art form it's competitive. And just like my journalism jobs were competitive, you know, I had to be competitive. I I would never call myself laid back. I can be a pretty intense person when I'm working on a project. But hopefully I'm a nice person. And so what was the experience like? I mean, I'm a little biased. I have had the wonderful experience of seeing Overture actually a couple times. You kind of spearheaded this whole project from start to finish in so many aspects. And then you started it. What was it like when you, you know, took your final bow at that the first time that you got to perform the entire Mm -hmm. thing? What was that like? It was very special. I mean, when you work so hard on something and we had so much help fundraising, helping us fundraise because musicals are freaking expensive. We had so much help. And when you're standing out there and people are appreciating or they've been touched by something that you've done, it's, it's, it's a very strange but wonderful feeling. I remember walking out on stage and it was funny, not funny. It was a bit panicky. When we were at Fringe and we were <laughs> opening the show, yes. I think it might have been the first show. All the mics went out. We had no sound, no sound. Oh, no. And I remember someone, and I was just about to go on, and I have the opening song in Overture, and it really just, there's a, a chord roll, and then I sing, and that's it. And I'm a, I'm a woman of faith. And I remember feeling very uptight for about 30 seconds because mm-hmm. we were, we were only at like, we were at places we were holding. And I remember having a moment of, oh my gosh, we have no mics. We have no mics for the orchestra. We have no mics for people. And then I went, no, I went, okay, Jesus, I see, I see. And I'm going to sing without a mic and all the other people are going to sing without a mic because you've allowed me to train to have a bigger voice and don't need a mic. So I, I turned from panic to, we're just going to do this. Yeah. We're just going to do this. Yeah. And everybody else, you know, we had an amazing team and everybody else was like, yep, that's what we're doing. I mean, I think you, I think you lead by example. You lead by 
working harder than everyone else or as hard as anyone else. I kind of like to work harder mm-hmm. um, or try and just not complain. <laughs> That's yeah. a hard one. It's with. a hard one. Yeah. Especially like in New York where we were running on zero sleep, yeah. changing the show almost every day, managing, you know, driving back and forth to Brooklyn, unloading every single day. It was phys- when things are physically exhausting and mentally exhausting. You just got to dig from a deep well. Yeah. You got to dig down and just do it and try not to be a jerk to the people around you. <laughs> right. Right. It was yeah. pretty cool to open in New York. Just, oh, I was sitting goodness. on the side of the stage at the Signature Theater and wait, we were at places and I looked, you know, I looked across the stage and I saw my friends and I looked at the pit, you know, my brother was our accompanist and all my, fr- all my friends were there. Oh. And so I looked and I was like, we're in New York on 42nd street and we're about to mm. open a show that I wrote. Mm. And how fun is this? Yeah. You know, that was a special, that's a moment I can't replicate ever in my life. Yeah. And it's one of those where you've, it's, I think it's rare when you get to know that that's one of those moments in your life that you're going to look back on. And when you recognize it and give thanks for it. And I remember just sitting there giving thanks for it going, yeah. this is crazy. How did I get here? Yeah. And hearing him on the stage left of the signature theater stage about to go sing my songs. It was so, it was surreal and marvelous. There, there couldn't be anything like that moment. That is, that is wonderful. No. And I'll I'll never have another one like it probably in my life. So when you have those moments, it's good to notice it. There's a line and I I won't, I promise I won't curse on your podcast, Lindsay. (laughs) There's a line in my favorite movie from the color purple that says, I think it P-I-S-S got off if you walk by the color purple and you don't notice it. Mm. And I feel that way very much in my life. If you don't notice those small moments of brilliant color, then I think you're not being grateful for what you have. And I'm trying to be grateful for those small and big moments, especially now. These last few months have been really hard. And it's yeah. I think it's very hard to keep a positive attitude. You know, I've had days where I've cried, days where I've been happy. It's just this is an unprecedented time for artists, especially and everybody is just trying to find the happy where they can. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I, I love that. Well, I have a couple questions that I, I like to ask my um, guests, yeah. if that's okay. So sure. how do you personally define art or what is art to you? What is art to me? I think it's making something from nothing and... You know, there's a song called Finishing the Hat, and it talks about that creation of, you know, I made a hat where there never was a hat. And art to me is really just that. And I'm glad I rhymed those two lines. Um, (laughs) It's making something from nothing that hopefully will make somebody else feel something very important or have a very visceral, emotional response I mean, everything I write musically is to reach someone else, is to entertain someone else, is to give, you know, that pleasure in your ears from some really great music and singing. That's that's kind of how I see art. You know, I'm not a scholar of art. I'm not a scholar of dance. I'm not a scholar of music theory. I'm 
basically not a scholar of anything um, <laughs> except raising my children. But when it comes to art, I just, I just really feel great satisfaction when you make something that wasn't there before. Yeah. And then it's there. Then yeah. it, you have, you've brought it into existence and then you wonder why it was not there before. <laughs> I love that <laughs> because you hadn't created it yet, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, because I hadn't created it. Yep. Every once in a while I'll wake up with a song in my head and I'll go, what is that song? I was like, I know that song. What is that song? Then I went, oh, I haven't written it yet. Oh, I haven't written that song yet. That's happened to me several times. That is awesome. It's weird, isn't it? No, I love it. <laughs> it doesn't happen to me, but <laughs> but I love it. Okay. What do you think is the most important role of an artist? Oh, I think artists help people in the world see things in a different way. I think I think artists help people have different perspectives on every aspect of life. I mean, what would we do without, you know, the great playwrights who have shown us corners of the world that I will never see or make music from different countries that I I didn't grow up in that tradition so I would never have heard it. Mm. I mean, artist's job is to enrich life for others. I don't, I mean, I, inherently, I think the creation of art is kind of selfish mm -hmm. because we have to, it comes from our brain, comes from our hand. We're very happy or sad with it. But I, I really think artists for, I mean, it's so cliche, but artists for everyone. I think artists need to create for people out in the world who are non-artists so they can see a different perspective of the world. They can hear something, see something, do something different that will be better and change possibly even change your mind and then change your how you operate in your daily life. I mean, that is a profoundly important thing that art can do is change how people think. And yes. I mean, that's powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. No, it absolutely is. Okay. I, I love that answer. Okay. And my last question is, I'll explain the words I'm going to use because it's, it might not be very clear, but do you think, just in your own personal opinion, do you think that art should be exclusive or inclusive? And those words I know are a little odd to use, but I'll just define it a little bit more. So exclusive being sort of the artist creates something, puts it out there, and then doesn't give a whole lot of description versus okay. inclusive being more like, can you tell us your inspiration behind it or what's its title or whatever? How do you feel I about that? I always prefer things that are inclusive. Okay. You know, an artist can create something and put a painting up on a wall and it has deep, deep significance. But as just a lay person in society, if I walk by and all I see is red, then I would really like to be connected to a piece if you would explain it to me. Sure. I mean, I, I think that's the selfish part of art as well. <laughs> I'm not going to explain myself. Right. And I was like, well, that's kind of dumb. Why would you... Explain it to me. So I love it as much as you do. Sure. I think I think that's also an artist's personality. I think every mm. artist is different. And if an artist is afraid of what someone might say of their work, then they'll just say, I don't need to explain it to you. It is what it is. Ah. And I think I agree with some of that. Like when I write music, I don't want someone to come along and change it because sure. that's what was in my head. But I certainly will try to explain it. 
if someone said, I don't understand why that, that sounds weird. Why is that there? And I said, well, it kind of goes along with what's being sung. Mm. I will always go on the side of more communication and more arts understanding because especially I think in the Midwest, if you, there are so many inner circles, there are inner circles and inside jokes with theater and musical theater and plays and dance references and art references. And if you're not included in that, then I think art's a real turnoff. Yeah. Um, you know, with dance, I, I will admit my complete lack of knowledge. I mean, I, lo- I love to tap dance, but I'm a, I don't know anything about ballet. I mean, I know nothing about the greats uh, other than what I've read or picked up on my own. I know Alvin Ailey dance, American dance theaters, my favorite dance troupe in the whole entire world, because I've gotten to experience their work over and over and over watching it. And I also had some explanation behind it. So I knew Mm -hmm. what was going on. Like with a lot of ballet, I don't know what's going on. Sure. It's the same way with opera. If I don't know what is happening, I, my brain just goes, okay, I'm done. <laughs> sure. Because I, I will try and try and try to have patience and focus, but if it's not explained to me, then I have no clue, which leads to no interest. Right. So I think art should be inclusive, as inclusive as possible. Okay. The more understanding someone can bring to their work, the more I will be drawn to it. I think that's just me though. I mean, a lot of people are just like, well, it's my art and I'll do what I want and take it and leave it. Well, that's excellent. Thank you so much. I just love your perspective and, you know, just on a personal note, because again, I've, I've had the pleasure of watching your work and I just want to say thank you so much for creating art because as someone who's been on the receiving end of it, I have to say that I've been very inspired and you've brought a lot of joy to your audiences. So thank you (laughs) for that. I appreciate appreciate those kind words that, you know, I don't write complicated things. I hopefully write things that reach people in an emotional way that's positive and hopeful. Even, you know, even when there is pain, I like to talk about, you know, redemption after the pain. Mm -hmm. So it's been a pleasure talking with you, Lindsay. Yeah. Well, and okay. So is there a way that we can connect with you? Do you have any future projects coming up you'd like to tell us about? I do. Barb and I have written, we finished our second musical called The Sparkle Tones. It's inspired by, it takes place in 1969, Kansas. It's a singing group of four women who kind of get stuck in a diner and a lot changes in all of their lives in one night. And the story was inspired by my mom who sang in a Sweet Adeline's group in Kansas in the 60s. And she kept in touch with her other Sparkle Tone people through a round robin letter series, which is one person writes a letter to the second person, the second person puts their letter in and it kind of goes around. And they've been doing that for over 40 years. So I kind of took inspired by her story and the letters and got to work on a musical. And we're going to debut it next March at the Johnson County Arts and Heritage Center. Oh, that's so exciting. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the show this time. I'm, I'm not a lead. So that takes the pressure off me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but happy to be involved. We, we um, have a very strong cast and creative team. And it's going to be a great show. It's going to be fun. That is exciting. And so if people want to kind of keep up with that and keep up with some of your other work, because I know you, again, you're multifaceted, where can they connect with you? 
They can find me on Facebook, just under my name, Krista Eiler, mm-hmm. or through Sharp Women Studios. Perfect. Um, all, of the, all of that's on Facebook. We also have a website called sharpwomen.org. So um, I'm easy to find. <laughs> I'm super easy. I am okay. super easy to find. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, thank you again so much, Krista. I really appreciate your perspective. And again, on behalf of myself, because I've gotten to experience it, but on behalf of everyone who's gotten to, you know, experience your art, I do want to say thank you because I do think that there's a lot of value in creating art and and sharing it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. Well, have an amazing day. And thank you yeah. to everyone who has um, listened to this episode. And we will catch you next time. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much. And I hope your day has been artfully told. Hey, Artfully Told listeners, I'm excited to share with you about Blueprint, which is the most amazing website for artists and makers of all levels. Blueprint lets you dig into anything you've ever daydreamed about doing, like dance, fitness, yoga, art, and home decorating, plus all the arts and crafts categories you know and love. More than 13 million enthusiasts from artists to quilters and beyond make Blueprint their home for binge-worthy on-demand content. Access to the world's top experts and curated supplies all served up in a fun, loving, creative community. Super cool and even better, currently they're offering 50% off their classes. So if you are interested in taking Taking advantage of that, learning a new skill, having an amazing time working with experts in their fields. You will love to take advantage of this offer and you'll just click on the link in my comments and my show notes and you'll be rocking and rolling and we will catch you next time.